as a parent uh, also this this year, Corey and I wanted to be intentional with our girls at Easter time and we to celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection. And one clever way of doing this is through resurrection eggs. And if you've never done this before, you take a carton of, of eggs, you throw away the actual eggs, and you put the, the plastic, well, you should probably eat the eggs, not just throw them away. Um, and you should, uh, you take plastic eggs, and uh, within each of the, the plastic uh, eggs, you put an object that tells the story of Easter. And uh, each day, one of our girls took a turn to, to open the egg, and uh, it was our daughter's Evangeline's turn, and it was her. Uh, it was actually the last. Uh, it was the last day. It was it was Easter, and so um, so she was so excited. She was thrilled to to open this egg, and so she goes and takes the egg and opens it up, and she realizes, in her in horror and dismay, that there is nothing in it, and so she cries. And she, because we know that this is the resurrection egg. There is, you know, Jesus is not in there. He is alive. He's out of the tomb. But for her, it was really discouraging and disappointing. So I didn't want to put Jesus back in the egg. Um, That would not be good. Anyways, if, if we are truly honest with ourselves, though, we're truly honest with ourselves. There are times that we're looking for God and we don't sense or see His presence. And sometimes we feel like we're in a, a spiritual desert or we're in a struggle or in pain and we're, we're crying out to God and we wonder where He's at. And we feel like we're waiting on unanswered prayers. Maybe uh, as you are dealing with a, uh, tough times at work or it might be a, a physical illness that keeps, keeps uh, setting you back. Maybe a separation from a, a spouse or graduates trying to figure out what to do. Maybe those in college striving for purity or maybe those who are uh, living alone for the first time. And we ask the Lord, where are you? Well, we are finishing up the, the book of Hebrews next week. And, and the writer of Hebrews is in, in, the, in the letter here is finishing up some last thoughts. And he's addressing some general guidelines, issues that were going on in this early church, issues of hospitality, visiting prisoners, sexual purity, contentment, false teaching, and leadership. So along with our own struggles, I think all of these issues, though, have a common theme and common encouragement from the book of Hebrews. For the writer points to the promise that Jesus is always there. He's always present, always in the middle of the the storms of life. And we all need those promises, don't we? We need those promises either for today or honestly for tomorrow. So today I want to look uh, just I want to look at three encouraging promises from the book of Hebrews. 
in the midst of our hard situations or those desert periods that we can look to Jesus and know that He's there. For if it is truly all about Jesus, let's look to Him today. Let's pray. Lord God, we love You so much and we thank You for Your Word that is, that is alive and that we can learn from, that we can grow from. And God, we pray for this promise that you were always there, that we would glean from this hope that you are with us. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we begin to discover this, this truth, I want to start a, a ways back where there is a, a great story in the book of Exodus that I, would, I, I truly believe that it reveals God's heart and promise to us. So let's look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 through 16. You can look in, in the Bibles in front of you or on the screen. And to give you a little back, background as you look up this passage, at this point the Israelites were slaves in the land of Egypt. You might know this story. And God heard their oppressed cry. And so God calls Moses to deliver them out of the land of Egypt. And God appears miraculously to, to Moses through a burning bush to call him to be their deliverer and to lead them out of Egypt. So we'll pick it up in verse 11. So here is Moses' response to God's call. Moses, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Now, verse 13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. I always think of Popeye. I am what I am. Anyways, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Moses is asking some uh, good questions. Obviously feeling unqualified for the task that was given to him. In response, he's asking, how do I know that you will be with me? And who do I tell them that sent me? And what God does here is so significant. I don't want you to miss this. You see, in the Hebrew text, um, we, we see in Genesis and, and, and as we've been starting the book of Exodus here, uh, in the Hebrew text, the Lord is, is known as Elohim. The name Elohim. We, in our English translation, we get the Lord. But he uses this word Elohim. And what, uh, what, he, what this meaning of Elohim is, it, it means creator God. It communicated reverence and, and power. Well, but for Moses, God does something significant. For God represents Himself as Yahweh. His most personal and intimate name. God is saying to Moses, you are not alone. 
I know you. I love you. I will be with you. I'm not only a God who is all-powerful, but I am also a God of grace and relationship. I will walk with you through the storm and battle. I am here with you. Many of us, though, feel like Moses, don't we, in this situation? We are either anticipating or in the midst of a a struggle. But know the promise is true for us. That God says also to, to us, I am always there. I am with you. I'm closer than you think. I will never, never abandon you. So how do you see God in your life? I think that's a good question we need to ask. Do you see Him as, a power, as powerful yet distant? Or do you see Him as one who desires a deeper relationship with you and He is with you in the storms of life? But this name is more than intimacy. Let's unpack this and, and look at the story a little bit more. Let's pick up the story in verse 15. It said, Also God said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. You see, behind this name is a promise. A promise being an assurance or a guarantee of something. You see, not only is God establishing a a relationship and intimacy with, with Moses, but he's saying, I will be with you. This is my name forever. I was with those before you and I will be with you in those generations to come. I think each of us can understand uh, this principle and promise by, honestly, by the way that we shop. There are, there are certain products, and you can admit this, that we intentionally choose because of their respected name. Because behind the name is reliability of, or, or what other people have told you. I, I was thinking about this concept, and I was thinking, there are certain products my parents, you know, they... You know, say, we bought a vacuum at Sears. Oh, you did, you did a good job there. Um, or, you know, they, they helped me clean our house at, at times. And, and, and my mom was like, oh, you got to get that cleaner. That is the best one. You know you have to get that cleaner. You, you, you've done this the same. Maybe you do this with your own kids. Or maybe you are, are, are doing the same things that your parents did. But you see, the name says it all. Behind the name is quality. Behind the name is dependability. The same with God's name. He is saying His name signifies His promise and commitment, not only to Moses, but to us. Well, what about Jesus? As we've been looking at the book of Hebrews, we've been looking how it is truly all about Jesus. That, and we looked at how He is all-powerful, that He is one of us, that He speaks to us, that He is trustworthy, and etc. Well, the amazing truth now is by the name of Jesus, 
God's own son, one who came to earth to, to reconcile our relationship to God because of our sin. That name is the one who signifies a promise, a dependability, but also salvation. The name of Jesus means that he will always be with us. Jesus perfectly fulfills all God's commitment to us. So when our passage in Hebrews, verse 6, says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This is Jesus' commitment to us. Jesus will never abandon us. He will always be with us. He came to us. He died for us. What else wouldn't He do for us? But He continues to do this through the power and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Know in your struggle that Jesus will never abandon you. Jesus will never leave you as orphans. I know, honestly, though, you may feel that absence. But my prayer for you is that you would never know you would, that God is never closer in your struggle. That in your pain, the greatest thing we can do is to draw closer to Him through prayer, through getting into His Word, also by the fellowship of other believers. But even more than to Moses, Jesus is with us. Always was, always will be. We have a God who is here. For Jesus is one who will never leave us nor forsake us. This summer is uh, Corey and I's uh, sixth anniversary of uh, being in Salina. And so as I was thinking about this, uh, I was reminded of our wonderful moving experience. And wonderful and moving should never be in the same sentence. You know what I'm talking about. Anyways, um, we arrived in Salina and we, we signed on onto a house and and uh, we're getting ready to, to move in. And, and suddenly we, we realized or we were told that because of the type of loan we had, we had to fix some issues on the house before we could even move in. And so uh, what they told us was that we had to scrape and paint uh, the house. And thinking about that arduous task uh, in, in, in a young family, new ministry, new town, everything... Uh, moving 2,000 miles here, uh, I started to panic. And, uh, but within a few hours and a few phone calls, uh, I knew that help was on its way. Around 10 guys from the church uh, showed up after their work and were able to start helping me get the house painted. I did not have to fear I had helpers. Well, in Hebrews 13, verse 6, our, our second promise today is that Jesus is there. is because He is our helper. And, he, and the passage is quoting uh, Psalm 118, verses 6 and 7. I'll read verse 8 in a little bit. But it says, So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. 
what can man do to me? And I love how it says, with confidence. And I don't know about you, but confidence is not my first reaction when there's adversaries. But we need to remember that our confidence is not in what? Not in ourselves. It's saying it is in the Lord. And the truth now is that He is not only with us, but He is our helper, our co-laborer. Well, if we dig a little bit deeper into this passage, the truth is is that Jesus is our helper and for good reason. This passage reminds us why. Because it says there is evil in this world. It says, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? Well, we cannot kid ourselves that evil isn't real. We just need to look at the paper. We need to just look at the news. Just need to look all around us. I'm not someone who uh, looks for Satan around every bush, but Satan's mission is to seek and destroy. And that Satan is a deceiver. Satan's greatest lie to us is that he doesn't exist. And sometimes we believe that, don't we? And most of the time, Evil intentions are played out in the actions of others. But what can man do to me? So I don't know what you may be dealing with. You may be dealing with those evil intentions. It may be subtle ways that a coworker may be belittling your efforts so to get a promotion. It may be a, a bully who will never leave you alone at school. It may be others telling lies uh, about you for their own well-being. It may be deception that you're just believing yourself. Whatever we may be dealing with, we can have confidence. We can have confidence that we have a helper. One is our creator, who happens to be our creator, our sustainer, and as well as our savior. Sure, it doesn't mean that justice will always be in our time. But we know that Jesus has the victory. But Psalm 118 verse 8 does give us a little bit of direction here. It says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Where do you take refuge? In times of trouble, do you find shelter in the Lord? Finding strength in those quiet moments with Him? Are you trusting others? more than you are trusting God. Because the truth is that the plans of the wicked will never succeed the provisions and the presence of God. Jesus is with us because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus, in the, in the last part of His ministry, promised a helper, He says we're not going to be alone, but the Holy Spirit will be with you It is Christ in us. We have a helper. In the book, Healing the Masculine Soul, Gordon Dalby says that when Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper, he uses a Greek word, paraclete. And that was an ancient warrior's term. 
You see, Greek soldiers went into battles and, and pairs so that when the enemy attacked, they could draw together back to back, covering each other's blind side. One person's battle partner was their paraclete. Jesus does not send us into the fight, into the good fight alone. The Holy Spirit is our battle partner, our helper, one who covers our blind side and fights for our well-being. So the honest question is, do you, do you know that Jesus truly is your helper, that you are not alone? He is there with you in your struggles. He is your advocate. He is your counselor. He is your brother. And the promise we should have is that we should not fear. God's presence and provisions are much, much greater than the struggle that we're dealing with. For Jesus is our helper. Our last promise is that He is there for us because Jesus is always the same. And to to help uh, illustrate this, I have secretly gone into the archives of this staff. I've been wanting to do this for many years. And I've gotten the chance. So I discovered a few photos that, uh, um, that we can see how our staff has changed. Well, I, th- I think we had every decade represented there. <laughs> Doug planned well. Well, we are people of change, aren't we? We change our hair. We, we lose our hair. We, we grow Our likes and dislikes change, our taste buds adjust, our vocations alter at times significantly, or the things we invest our time changes. We change. But the truth is, despite our changes, the promise is that Jesus always stays the same. Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. Our passage today also in Hebrew says in verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The truth is God doesn't change and He doesn't change His mind. Unfortunately, we do, and he's, but He is always there. Always has been, always will be, always constant, always the same. But because of our sin or our behaviors, God may relate to us differently. God may at times uh, uh, rejoice with us at times uh, and He grieves for you at other times because of maybe poor choices that we've made. But know that the truth is that Jesus' nature, that His power, and that His wisdom and love for us is the same yesterday and today and forever. Samuel Rutherford, Rutherford, a Scottish uh, theologian, uh, just said to us, believe God's love and power more than you believe your own feelings and experiences. Your rock is Christ. It is not the rock which ebbs and flows, but your sea. God is our rock. 
He does not change. And it is comforting to know that our God does not waver in His love for us. God does not hesitate in His concern for us. God is not flighty in His promises. He doesn't assure us of something and then take it back. Jesus is always the same. But as you ponder, as you think about Jesus' persistence in our life, we need to ask as we change, is there something that we do need to alter? Is there some way that we need to ask God to change a sinful behavior in our own lives? And if not, we're really living out the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over thinking that there is going to be different results. Are you expecting different results thinking God is going to change His mind? When God is asking you to quit a a sinful behavior, believing that God will bless it. But in all, remember. Remember that God is the constant in the equation of life and changes and in struggles. The variables of our struggles or our issues may change, but God is the constant that always stays the same. Jesus said this in Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty May you know that Jesus is always there and He is the beginning and the end because He is always the same. Well, as we hold on to these promises this morning, I wanted to finish with an illustration from a speaker and pastor, Louis Giglio. And you may have seen this, but I think this is, fits really well with our passage today. You see, Louis struck up a, a conversation with a, a gentleman after he spoke at one of the services. And the gentleman uh, mentioned to him, uh, well, what are you, uh, you know, what are you preaching on next? And reluctantly, he said he was going to be preaching on the series on the glory of God and the, the human body. And the gentleman said, wow, that's, that's, that's crazy. I, I, that's, a, that's amazing that you say that. I'm actually, I'm a molecular biologist. The biologist then asked what his, his left hook was. You know, as a, a preacher or a speaker, you know, what is the big finish? What is the left hook that you want to communicate? And as you can imagine, Louis felt a little intimidated uh, as he was thinking about this topic and, and talking to this molecular biologist. And he said, I, you know, I really don't have, have much right now. And he says, the, bi- the biologist adamantly said, you got to look at laminin. And Louis thought, well, that's, that's, that's great. That's great. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll Google it tomorrow or something. Well, no, he said, no, you, you don't understand. You have to look up laminin. It's, it's amazing. Do you know anything about, about this? And Louis said, no, I don't know anything about this. Do you know anything about proteins? And he said, nah, not really. He said, laminin, it's a, it's a cell adhesion molecule, a, a protein molecule do you know what, anything about proteins? You see, cells organize itself in certain molecular structures. And that determines what kind of protein they are. 
We don't know how many proteins there are, but there are 10 to 60,000 different proteins in the body. And one is a cell adhesion molecule. It tells what its job is in the human body. He says, it's amazing. It's like the rebar of the human body. The steel that you put in the concrete, it holds your membranes together. It's the glue. It's the glue of the human body. You got to tell them about laminin. You got to tell them. Let's look at what laminin looks like. The shape of the cross. How crazy is that? That the stuff that holds your body together, either by design, I tend to think so, in the shape of the cross. We can say confidently that Jesus is there through and through. And I tend to think of Colossians 1 that talks about the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ, which says, by all things were created in heaven and earth, by and for Jesus. Jesus is before all things. All things hold together. And when we look at this illustration Obviously, and of of course they do. It continues to say, God was pleased to have His fullness dwell in Christ. And through Christ, reconcile all things by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. So I don't know what you are going through at this point in time. But we can look to Jesus Christ in our time of doubt because the reality is Jesus is always there. His name represents His presence and promise. He will never leave us nor forsake Him. He is our helper and He's always the same. Jesus holds all, all things together. Because He is present in our lives. He is there for us. 